we are live. Welcome to this latest episode of Totally Unscripted. Uh, so I'm joined by uh, Charles and Steve. Hello. Hi, Martin. Hi, Charles. How you doing, Steve? How you doing, Martin? Glad to be good, here. Good. I am excited for this one. Well, we, we've done the whole trail now. We've done Document AI. Uh, so you'll find that on the Totally Unscripted website. Uh, so we've also done DocuSign. Uh, and now we're into documentation. Uh, wow. <laughs> but uh, the, the documentation, it makes things move smoothly. It, um, it helps us all understand what we're trying to do uh, I and think do, it, do things better. I think it's the most unsung part of a development platform. I mean, if you're going to be a successful developer, you need documentation. Even if you are a successful developer, you still rely on documentation, what's new, what's changed, whatever. So I, I think, uh, you know, this team that we're about to be joined with are unsung heroes that make all of us successful and make all of us look good and give us great ideas on how to get things done. So I'm excited to hear how they do this. And so why don't we bring them on and let's hear all about it. So here we go. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> hey guys. Yes, welcome. Charles, you're too kind with that intro. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's all true. It's all true. You guys are essential to make the development world go around for workspace. And so before we dig in, Nathan and Kara, how about we get some intros personally and, and tell us about your team? Yeah, absolutely. Nathan. Thanks. Thank, thank you for having us on. It's great to be here with you. Um, so my name is Nathan Gammy. Um, I've been at Google for... Uh, just over 10 years um, now. And actually, you know, I started my Google journey not with tech writing, actually was doing uh, support rep uh, kind of work for what is now Google Ad Manager. And that was kind of where I developed a love for tech writing. I'd studied ancient languages kind of back in the day. I always kind of had it in me, um, but I really just found a lot of satisfaction and joy out of, uh, you know, taking something that feels very complicated and explaining it and seeing that light bulb kind of go on for someone where they say, Oh, well, it's a lot simpler than I thought. And they kind of feel that transformation. And so that's kind of what led me into tech writing uh, now. And so now I, you know, manage a small but mighty team of writers, Kara being uh, one that covers, you know, Google Workspace, external developer documentation on developers.google.com. Awesome. Sweet. Um, I'm Kara Ireland. I am a technical writer on Nathan's team. Um, I actually started my career in sales and marketing, um, so it was an interesting journey to realize that I had a passion for content. Uh, I ended up going into content marketing, and the thing that I really liked about content marketing was being able to provide value to people um, without just selling them something. And so when the opportunity at Google came up, um, it was for writing just support content for end users, and I thought, wow, I could just add value all the time. There's no selling needed. And so that sounded right up my alley. So I ended up joining Google uh, three years ago as an end user help center writer. Uh, I was actually working on Google Workspace apps originally, like Sheets and Tasks and Calendar. And then the opportunity for AppScript came up. Um, it was funny. I took an internal class about AppScript, <laughs> fell in love with it. And then when the opportunity to write about it and for me to learn more about it as I was doing that came up, I jumped on it and reached out to Nathan with probably more excitement than he was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and the rest is history. Here I am today. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a great backdrop. So, so I, I have a first question. What what is the glamorous life of a tech writer like? What is the day to day like? What are some of the what are the things we don't think about? How you know how, how that great stuff gets produced? Glamorous, I don't know. A lot of it for me is like just aching over word choice. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, for a, a writer, it can mean a lot of things. You know, here at Google, it's a lot of launch support. Um, so just making sure that as a new feature comes out, the right documentation is there for people to be able to use it immediately. And then there's also the content projects in general, where you're constantly trying to improve, look for gaps, look for opportunities to just really um, make the docs better and better. Is there, you mentioned you had a, a sales background, Cara, is, is, is there, is it quite a different writing style of writing to sell something? Totally. Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny with um, with sales and marketing, you know, there's a lot of spin involved and <laughs> you're puffing up features yeah, that, yeah. you know, it, you're almost talking to the future like, oh, okay, yes, this thing is coming out and it's going to be great. Um, when you're writing for, you know, technical documentation, you're just telling it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be more specific about the how versus the what and the why. Absolutely. Hey, so yes. step back for a second. You, you, Nathan, you mentioned a small and mighty team. And we know Workspace as a product is huge. We know even as a developer surface, it's huge. How do you orchestrate a small and mighty team to produce all the great content you do? What's kind of the, the process there of keeping prioritization, the team flowing, the focus? Like what's your what's your day-to-day, -day, I guess, is the question. Yeah, the, the you know the, the the glamour that I feel the most is uh, just finding new artisanal coffees, and so that is something I think that draws all tech writers together. It's a lot of coffee, and that is a huge part of how we uh, can cover something so big with such a small number of people. Um, but you know that yeah, we we have five people on on our team, and so we have to scale. You know, um, I I don't know if I've ever met a tech writing team that you know feels like they have enough people to really right. commit and kind of fully you know, fulfill the art of documentation in a way that they all feel like they, they would like. Um, and, you know, in Google, I, the culture here is, is a lot about scaling. Um, it's something that's just kind of at the, at the root of the company. And so it's a great place to be a tech writer in that sense, um, that we have a lot of people around us who are eager to help us, uh, uh, you know, do more with, with one person and automate things. And so, um, you know, we have to, be pretty, uh, pretty stark about prioritizing. Um, you know, Google Workspace itself is uh, really a compendium from a developer perspective of, you know, 40 plus developer products. Um, mm. uh, you know, and, and our documentation set, just to give a sense of scale, you know, is, you know, over like 5,000 pages. And so, you know, even with, uh, you know, an army of, of tech writers, you really wouldn't be able to necessarily have people feeling like they could spend a ton of time on each page. So we have to we have to uh, make make ourselves efficient. And some of the ways we do that is through automation, like all of our reference documentation, which is some of the backbone of our documentation is generated from the source code and you know um, the different comments that engineers will write as they're creating an API or creating a developer product. And then we as tech writers can come in and edit uh, that text. And that not only allows us to scale our efforts, um, but it also you know keeps the documentation up to date. 
um, and make sure that it's actually reflecting, as Kara said, the reality and not the, uh, you know, the puffed up wish list of what we wish the products could do. Um, yeah, which is one, of, one of the things that amazes me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but most tech writers I've met or work with either are in love with their product when they start or fall in love with their product. And Kyra, you mentioned you were, you were you're doing it. I, I love to give a shout out to uh, Ryan Rosenroth, who was one of the first tech writers on Workspace I worked with. Yeah. And Ryan knew the products intimately and loved them. I mean, he knew where they worked good as well, too. But he loved them and defended them and helped make the products better, too. And it was so great at storytelling around it. Is it true? Do you have to love the products blindly to be a great tech writer? <laughs> oh gosh, I ooh okay. Well, in my I can only speak to my experience. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make a blanket statement for all tech writers, but for me, yeah. I mean, having a passion for a product has really helped me, you know, go the extra mile in my own writing and planning for the documentation. Um, I have been on a product that I, I liked, it was fine, but I wasn't as passionate about it when, like, when I was on Sheets or now AppScript. It's just like those products that just like pull your heartstrings, you want to make better and you want to advocate for. And like you were saying how Ryan did, I also try to do, I mean, not nearly as well. Ryan is <laughs> on a pedestal in my mind, but um, I think the passion definitely uh, brings forward better, better documentation and then in the end, better products. Here's a question for you, Cara. So given, you know, Nathan mentioned 40 products there, which ones are your favorites for technical writing? <laughs> you don't ask somebody to pick their favorite child. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, Wait, Wait, let me get a favorite here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been team AppScript, AppScript all the way. I think um, one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's pretty inclusive of almost every workspace product, if not every workspace product. Um, that way I don't have to choose. <laughs> does, does that create challenges? There's just the fact that it integrates with so many Google products, it mm. just becomes quite a beast, I'd imagine, in terms of keeping um, together. <laughs> yes. In short, yes. Um, <laughs> the challenges are, are pretty crazy because on, on the one hand, with AppScript itself, because it's it's a development platform, you can do so many things. And so as a new user to AppScript, it can be very daunting of like, okay, mm -hmm. what do I do? Um, so on the documentation side, what we're trying to do to alleviate some of that is be more prescriptive about defining project types and guiding people down a path of here's something you can create. And then as they learn more about the platform, they can discover the more niche things that they can do or more creative ways to use AppScript. And then on the other side, you have all of the products that you can connect through AppScript. And so a lot of times we have to rely on those separate product teams, such as the Gmail team or the Drive team to be our subject matter, subject matter experts there to give us the information about the functionality and translate it into the world of AppScript because there's nobody on the AppScript team that knows every single service. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you mentioned a really great point. I'd love to get your perspective on this. You know, workspace development is unique in development because it does take on multiple audiences, right? I mean, when you think of traditional development, it's more of a, you know, I'm a developer looking to be a developer, but with things like AppScript and even other parts of workspace development, there could be folks that don't even identify as developer, don't identify as technical, but they're there 
to get something done and learn from your content. How do you, and how does that change your perspective of writing for such a broader audience awareness skill and, and, and frankly, even identification level? Does it affect the way you, the, the verse, the way you write, the way you think? I mean, what's your, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's, it's, we try to find a good balance between writing in simple, clear ways, but also we're dealing with technical information. So, you know, Nathan had touched on this as an intro where, you know, our task is to explain very complicated subjects in easy to understand ways. And that's especially true for AppScript because we have an audience that ranges from citizen devs who are, you know, beginner to intermediate coders who like my, like I would consider myself a citizen dev because I don't identify as a developer, but I love AppScript. I love using it and understanding what I can do. And then, you know, we've got you guys who are pro developers who are also using AppScript. And so a happy medium for us is, you know, using as much plain language as we can. And, you know, for AppScript, a lot of times I try to um, explain things that are in a way that might be simple, but most people benefit from simple explanations versus, you know, if I was only writing for professional developers, then I'd be losing the audience that doesn't understand the more complicated words. Um, and also, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to jump in here. Um, when I think about people learning more material, uh, there's different learning types. Some are visual, some are hands-on. Do you think about that when you write stuff of, of your audience, where they where it fits? Like I can see where code samples would represent. I'm more of a hands-on person, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any comments on that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Nathan, I feel like I've been talking. Yeah, about Kara, I think we're going to jump in there. Well, well, before you do, I love the pile on top of that question because you're right. Technical writing, writing good documentation is just not documents, right? There's all yep. different form factors as, as Steve was dressing up. And so you're right. How do you balance what's right, what, where, when, and also what's it like to write those other type of resources? I mean, it's, so it's, it's definitely a broader than just, Hey, here's an explanation. Send out a doc. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, yeah. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. So <laughs> go, go, go. go ahead and then I'll, um, I'll, I'll take it back on whatever you're going to say. Yeah, we try to use a mix of uh, of learning methods. So beyond just our, our bread and butter, which is our guides and our, our reference documentation, we'll also include things like code labs, which if you're not familiar with a code lab, it is kind of a, a walkthrough of a concept along with tangible code samples. So it's this hybrid of being able to conceptualize something and then show the proof of concept at the same time. Um, we also employ quick starts, which will give you a really quick understanding of, of how something should work so that you can build on it for your own use case. Um, and then, of course, code samples. I mean, it is the most in-demand thing, right? Sample mm -hmm. samples everywhere. And to your point about writing for more low-code audiences, something I'm trying to do in the AppScript documentation is provide more context than maybe I otherwise would with code samples in more sophisticated API documentation. For example, when I started writing AppScript, I was looking at you know manifests and learning what a manifest does and what I needed. And I noticed that some of the samples would be like you know a sliver of a manifest, but I was so new to this. I was like, but where do I put it? How does this fit in a larger file? Like I just needed more context. So now when I approach my own writing 
and I think about the little sample we need, I have to also think about the context that should be there too, to give a better understanding of the whole picture. Does coming to a product fresh help help you in terms of your technical writing? Because you're kind of almost in the position of the, the developer trying to understand something. It's yeah, for me, it's been very helpful. I don't have that cursive information where I already know. So I assume other people know. Um, and I'm trying to hold on to that as long as I can, because I'm constantly learning. And, you know, I have to hold on to those roots of being super new to a product. <laughs> Yeah, and I know is is you know we think about um, scaling the team, and Charles, you asked earlier, kind of how do, how do I think about covering all the bases? I mean, that's actually an aspect I think about is trying to let people sink their roots into a product, but also mm. cross pollinate and sometimes move um, between products so we get that fresh perspective because um, we all end up with blind spots as we as we create any sort of product or any sort of um, solution. And and um, and Steve, I want to go back to your point because I really like kind of how you you're thinking about that with different learning styles. Um, you know, that's something sometimes people think of documentation is just kind of like the how to guide the one, two, three step process. Um, but, you know, something that has really changed over the years is kind of that form of documentation and kind of what's involved and where, you know, 20 years ago, you know, you're Ben Forda writing your 500 page book about a certain language or a certain kind of aspect of programming. And people buy that or they get it from the library and they go through it kind of cover to cover or, you know, they look through a table of contents. Um, you know, now we have to think about this whole new medium where people drop into our documentation from from uh, Google search or from any search engine. And any page can be the first page. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a whole a whole new aspect to the way people consume information. I mean, in an age of Twitter and, and all these other things, people kind of just. They expect people to just get an answer. You think of your Google Assistant or Siri or whatever at home, you ask a question, you don't expect to get, uh, you know, a dissertation about uh, the background <laughs> and everything. They just tell you the answer. So that's something we have to think about is not just guiding people through the product, but also their journey through our documentation. And that um, I think it's these we're going to touch on a little later. Right. I always wonder if like when, you know, there's a developer somewhere looking for something and they can't find it, if you kind of feel that and you're kind of like, oh man, you're kind of like, like that vibe comes in some of the yeah. But that's it. Disturbance in the forest. Sometimes you have a huge, you have a huge fan club. We've had a couple of folks chime in. Anil um, said, "Many, uh, much love, many loves for the great docs." So you have a great oh, fan thanks, club. Thanks, Anil. And then also Mozart, uh, Mozart, uh, many time caller, uh, has a great question for you. Which has been the most challenging project thing in writing documentation? Either one of you want to handle that question from Mozart? Yeah. I, I I take a stab at the care. I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, um, this kind of goes. This kind of goes back to something that was just mentioned: is the breadth of Google Workspace. I mean, one of the most challenging things we've um, you know been working through recently, and we're still working through it, is how to connect the dots in a way that's intuitive and helpful uh, to to people. So, you know, the Google Workspace kind of platform has developed over the last really twenty some years. And you think of when kind of Gmail started and all that stuff. I mean, there was kind of a Gmail API from very early on or Drive API. And these kind of grew up and um, some of them are older than others, but they grew up separately. And so, you know, last year with the rebranding of Google Workspace and really thinking of this as a cohesive platform, something that we want people to develop within as an ecosystem, um, it's been an exciting new chapter for us, but also a big challenge is how do we connect this, uh, this big thing together in a way that's accessible to everyone? AppScript obviously being a big part of that. Um, and then from our 
uh, kind of more professional developer scheme of these different REST APIs and authorization and how do we guide people through that process. And um, that's been a big challenge. Yeah, I can imagine that's a big challenge. I was, you, you just mentioned something to me and I, I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm gonna, I would imagine the last thing you folks want to hear is, hey, we're gonna rebrand the product again. Documentation people. <laughs> Um, let's see that another thought came to mind. Um, when you have team members doing documentation and some material I can see crosses over, how do you prevent duplication or do you want some duplication in different pages? How, how do you manage all that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and I, I don't know if Nathan, you want to touch on this as well, but there are certain times where we do want information in a couple places because as Nathan had mentioned, people are coming to our documentation from every different angle. So we wanna make sure that the information is available from wherever uh, the entry point is. And uh, there's, especially with AppScript, there can be some, some crossover information. Like when we're talking about add-ons, now that you can build in any runtime, there will be a lot of cross product publication. Um, but, you know, that can, that does present a risk of if you're actually, if you've put information in two places, you want to make sure it's updated at the same time, because then you run the risk of having conflicting information. I ran into this when I was working on uh, the Google Workspace Marketplace publishing information, and we had publishing information across the app script documentation, add-ons documentation, chat, basically every type of item you could put in the marketplace, there was some sort of information about publishing in there. So uh, what we can do with our tech stack for our content management system is actually cross publish files so that every time we update it, it updates across each site versus having to go in and update three different files. So we try to rely on that to reduce, um, you know, out of date information. But duplication itself isn't all bad. It's just making sure you do it in a way that's uh, sustainable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that's these a couple of great topics. I think, and I think again, anybody who's not familiar with your craft, and maybe it's just a user of your craft, may not think about all the effort that goes into this. But one of the most important things I see is the way you organize the information, right? So if I go in that left-hand nav, I can find things predictably that I would expect to be there. I actually can sort in a way. At least for me, it feels very natural. Uh, you're answering questions before I'm even asking it. How do you? curate the content so it is discoverable in the right way. So people do find that journey, whether they're planning at the home page or like you said, they come in the middle page somewhere, they get back to it. I've known you've reworked that a few times and you're always refining it, but how, how do you actually go about doing that? Yeah, Kara, real, real quick, and then I really wanna hear what you're gonna say. Um, I was gonna say actually the this aspect of sharing content is kind of the hidden uh, like part of information architecture. So it's kind of the like tip of the iceberg above the surface where you think of the navigation and titles and headings and things like that. Um, but getting the right granularity of where to share content and and uh, so it's not too onerous for writers. Um, speaking of rebrands, re I mean, we could use includes and snippets uh, for, you know, every time we say Google and every time we say Workspace, just in case the name changes, um, and that becomes, becomes very difficult to write, right? Um, or if you have something too big, then you need to customize it in some circumstances, and then that gets onerous. So yeah, there's an aspect of the sharing that's also part of this information architecture, but 
you know, at, at a broad scale, and then I think Kara can go into more, probably more details of how it really plays out. I mean, we, we use Search Console and other things to understand um, what people are searching for and what are, where's the traffic, where are the eyeballs, you know, so we're using Google Analytics and kind of that, uh, you know, kind of suite of, of metrics that I think many people here listening in are, are probably familiar with. Um, but, you know, for, for our documentation set, you know, we've got, you know, nearly like, you know, four to five million page views every month, you know, from over half a million people around the world. Um, and so it's not an easy task. It's not that everyone's searching for one thing. Um, uh, and so that that does become become an, an, an issue. But, um, you know, Kara might even talk some about some of the content usability stuff. A lot of times getting people close to where they want to be um, and making sure that the navigation around the breadcrumbs at the top of the page, the headings on the page, so the content's scannable, they can look down a big page and be able to see the section they're looking for are big parts of that information architecture. Uh, but Kara, if you have more color. Yeah, no, those are great points. And I I definitely wanted to touch on like, we, we try to keep that consistency across our various sites. So if you go to AppScript or add-ons or Drive or Gmail documentation, mm -hmm. you'll see very familiar sections. Um, you know, you'll have your guides, you'll have your reference, samples, support, all of that will be very familiar. So as you move through the workspace sites, you get more comfortable as to where to look for things. Um, when it comes to product specific uh, information architecture, that's where we can really dig in and do some testing. And uh, I actually just did a lot of testing and, and research on the AppScript IA. Um, when I say IA, I mean information architecture, mm -hmm. just for those who well, tech writers <laughs> speak there. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we actually, we did a huge study. Um, it's actually quite a process. Uh, like Nathan said, we, we look at search console, what are people searching for and where are those searches landing them? Is that the right page? Does that page have the information they're looking for? We look at Google analytics to see what the most popular pages are. Um, and then we also, for me, you know, I was talking to product to make sure I understood what the critical user journeys are for the product and how documentation supports that, who the target audiences are meant to be and making sure our documentation aligns with that. And so you just have to ask a lot of different questions to a lot in a lot of different areas. Um, a huge thing is user feedback, uh, going, pouring through comments um, in the various channels that we use and by synthesizing all that information, uh, we can find the gaps and really ideate new ways to test our table of contents. And so recently I did all of this and I performed tree tests, which for anyone who's not familiar is, it's a unmoderated study where someone, and if anyone's been to the AppScript documentation site in the past few months, you've probably seen banners of me begging you to do these tree tests. <laughs> But basically, you are given a set of tasks and asked, okay, where would you find information about X? Like, let's say, where would you find information about building a Google Workspace add-on card? And then you look at your category choices and you decide, okay, this is where I would think to click first. And you kind of understand whether or not the way you've organized your information is working for people who are trying to find it. And um, I'm very excited because the results that we had for the new table of contents were incredible. For example, um, our reference section, uh, the new table of contents that I will be launching later today, saw a 270% increase in findability. So I'm very excited to get that wow. live for all awesome. users. Yeah, all this right. was huge. Let me get my ticker at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. So yeah. yeah. Just yeah. unlined that. 
some new documentation coming out after the show. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say there are a couple questions coming in, but before we go to that, I, I just thought of something. I remember one time the decision was to have some release notes or snippets of that on the homepage. Was mm -hmm. Google Analytics part of that to decide to remove that and just keep it down to another page? Yeah. So that decision, I, I actually made that decision as one of my first changes when I became a tech writer on AppScript. And it was more about um, crowding the landing page. And, you know, when you think about a landing page, um, my estimation is that most people that come to the landing page are new users. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted them to have a simpler jumping off point, a little more prescriptive. What is AppScript? Why would I use it? And what are the things I can do with it? Um, there, so... <laughs> I don't think the link is there now in the current homepage, but another totally unscripted exclusive. We are launching a new landing page for the AppScript documentation today. <laughs> Two thumbs now. Two thumbs. Um, where I have a link to the release notes. So if you do land on that page as someone who's an AppScript user looking for the latest thing, you'll have quick access to the release notes as well. In fact, doesn't the homepage at the bottom right-hand corner snuck away have totally unscripted there? It does now. Yes. So first of all, thank you for allowing us to have that shameless plug. Um, <laughs> one of the questions I wanted to ask in follow-up is, first of all, I love the fact that you're ever-changing, ever-improving, and you're trying to use analytics and data to make it better for us based upon how you see people using it. Um, I also love the fact that you're writing documentation, but it's really bi-directional, right? You're actually getting you know, indirectly feedback from people on what they click on what they're looking for, right? We're capturing all those analytics, you're, you're, you're synthesizing that data, but also you actively take feedback. And we know we see thumbs up, thumbs down on a page. We know we see, uh, add your, you know, send your feedback here. What would you suggest, besides just sitting the thumbs up all the time, what would you suggest people do when they actually wanna give that feedback to you? Like what's constructive feedback mm -hmm. that's helpful versus, why well, I didn't find the feature I want, you guys aren't good. Uh, how do you actually like what what are some of the good inputs that people could do to continuously have to help improve it because it is for all of them yeah that's a that's a really great question and you know it goes back to what uh, again we were talking about about just scaling is that that's a big signal in our prioritization is where are people uh sending feedback uh, about pages so you know for anyone viewing just putting in that plug and highly encouraging people to uh, send feed feedback, you know, uh, smash the thumbs up button and, you know, you can tap the <laughs> thumbs down if you need to. Uh, no, but the thumbs down, it really is helpful for us. We look at all of those. We get a lot of feedback. And so we have some machine learning and some automation tools uh, just kind of on Google sites. We use kind of the standard Google feedback system there that can raise themes to us. Um, but a lot of times, you know, that would be a signal to us to focus on a, a, a topic or a whole doc set if we really see a lot of ratings coming in, and particularly if there's a lot of thumbs down. And you know, adding those comments is, is really invaluable for us. And we, we read them. Um, you know, and the most helpful comments are ones, uh, as you mentioned, Charles, ones that aren't super vague and just like, hey, this, this product is useless. But something that says, hey, I came to this page looking for XYZ and I couldn't find it. Or I found part of the answer, but I was really looking for kind of the next level deeper. Um, that is the kind of feedback that we can really act on. Um, you know, of course, there's typos. Tell us about that too. But you know, it's most useful if it's, hey, I came to this page expecting X, and it it it, it didn't fit that expectation, and that's really useful uh, to to us. Um, I did want to mention too. Oh, I do just want to mention too as a as a plug. 
Um, for anybody watching this, I've actually set up a special automation that if you tell us in your feedback comment, uh, you put hashtag totally unscripted, or you say I was watching totally unscripted, and I want to give you this feedback, um, that kind of gets fast tracked to our team. You know, we can't respond to to the feedback, but we will read it um, and we we will see it. So uh, include hashtag totally unscripted in your feed. feed. How would you like some live feedback? <laughs> I would. <laughs> That's we got some coming in here. So. <laughs> So Amit Agarwal, who is very well known and has a great site with documentation on himself, has a couple of things. First of all, he says, great conversation. I wish there was an integrated playground that would let us try snippets on the docs on the site itself. That's awesome feedback. That'll probably yeah. be about by next week. We'll have that. Great. Take care of that. You're about to end this call. <laughs> <laughs> Amit's got another point also worth sharing. Uh, please add uh change log as well maybe an rss feed so or, some, some suggestions so great we got or even a google chat uh, the gam the gam tool has a a google chat room with an automated bot oh uh, awesome. it's got wes's bot in there so uh oh, I, I would sign up for that chat room yeah that's, that's, awesome. a, that's a really good idea i mean yeah you know we're always looking for ways to make our docs more interactive I mean, that's yeah. another kind of expectation that mm -hmm. readers have that, you know, they maybe didn't have, you know, five, 10 years ago is they really want to be able to interact. And I think we've all used solutions like JS bin or other things like that, where you just get that quick feedback loop of, okay, this works. Or if I tweak it this way, it doesn't work now. Um, and so we, we are looking into those kinds of, of solutions uh, for app script for our rest APIs. We do have uh, the try this API called API Explorer on the right hand side of reference docs. And if you haven't tried that, uh, for our REST APIs, I recommend giving it giving it a try. Um, that's been something that I use a ton to kind of play around with our APIs without setting up a whole environment. You know, yeah, that's fantastic, fantastic suggestion. Some more, some more feedback there for you. I'm sorry, I have to put that up. Oh, fantastic! Thanks, Albert. <laughs> you you have a super huge fan club out there. I always hear from folks that the docs are great. So. Again, thank you on behalf of everybody, including ourselves here. We, we super appreciate your work. Let me ask you this, though. Also, a lot of times you, you get maybe criticism, which is not necessarily appropriate. A lot of folks want more, right? The great thing is there's a lot of resources out there that actually extend on, on what you build, right? Whether it's answering questions, it's community, it's creating more verbose samples, what are the, some of the, you know, if, if folks can't find it on your site and give you feedback, what are the other places that you would point folks to? What are, there, what are the, some of the other great kind of partnerships or, or community features that you guys see that actually are helpful? Yeah, I am incredibly grateful for the Google developer experts that we have with <laughs> us today and in our larger group. Um, there's some great content coming, coming from you guys um, because, you know, I think I touched on this before, you know, app script documentation, we can't cover everything. And so when there are specific questions or niche use, use cases, um, it's really helpful to have, you know, a network of people who are passionate and writing about app script. And then when it comes to specific questions, you know, I use Stack Overflow all the time for my specific questions on a, on a method that just can't be covered in documentation because it's just is too specific for my need. Um, but someone else probably ran into it as well. So Stack Overflow and the GDE community for me are 
um, my main go-tos. And, and I, I want to thank you guys for everything that you do because it's so helpful to have that extended, extended network of support. <laughs> um, I actually, one of the first things I, one of the first pieces of content I, I looked at um, from the GDE group was Alice's presentation. She did a training for her fellow teachers and you know, the, the educators are a great audience um, to learn, you know, AppScript because they're not coders, but AppScript is approachable enough for them. Um, and I remember one of Alice's points was saying, you know, what the method does is written in the method name. And that felt good to know that it's pretty understandable for someone, as long as you know what you're trying to do, it's pretty easy to find. And I thought she did a great job of just breaking it down simply and specifically for teachers, um, which is great. Yeah, small point I'd like to add as well. So, um, it's it's a tiny thing, but for me, it made a huge difference that you, the developer doc documentation is Creative Commons licensed. And for people not familiar what that means, it means as a, a you know someone who does kind of tech writing on a blog, it means I can copy and paste code snippets information from your site, and as long as I reference it as being from Google, I can do that without having to ask permission. And that's actually helped me in a number of tutorials I was writing. It's like, there was already good documentation for, you know, steps one to two, there was something in free where I wanted to fork off and do something different. And I could do that a lot quicker. So um, that's a thank you for me for just considering that tiny little aspect that made, made a huge difference for me. Oh, look at us, mutual appreciation. Society. <laughs> I, I think it's a great segue to another topic I'd like to ask. So, you know, as Martin pointed out, you know, most engineers have to write documentation at some point, and they can't just borrow everything from everybody else. One of my favorite quotes I found actually on a, up on a Google site is every engineer is also a writer. And Martin, if you wouldn't mind flashing, we've got a whole topic that Google actually prepares on how to be a tech writer, how to be a better tech writer. If you'd share that link, there's actually a site out there, developers.google.com slash tech writing. Uh, just mm -hmm. look, see that. Um, what advice would you give to us to write better documentation? I don't mean just, you know, pros outside of code. What are, what are best practices for making better source code or commenting in source code? And I know there's some structures and some things, but, you know, obviously I remember back in, you know, like grammar books, they would say good sentence, bad sentence. I've seen some, you know, comments inside of uh, people's documentation code where I'm like, I don't even know what you think you know you think you might be doing, maybe kind of. What's the, what are some of the tips you tips you would have to help developers become better authors on their own content? Anything? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Kara mentioned earlier is kind of that curse of knowledge or curse of information, and um, you know, this is something that I think particularly affects developers who are writing code comments because when you're writing the code you're so familiar with how it works that it just feels pretty obvious and so you know you know one of the first things is to um get someone who doesn't know your code to read read your comments um you know it, it, it the class example is to have have your your mom read them well it doesn't need to be your your mom but you know a fellow uh, a fellow developer someone that you think kind of has that adequate baseline knowledge to understand, but um, can come in cold and try to understand what your code is doing. And, you know, some ways you can set yourself up for success in that is using plain kind of clear language. It's one of the things that we 
we talk about, you know, as a writing team, sometimes, and especially as developers, we're tempted to want to appear intelligent and smart. Um, and so we want to use big words or we want to, uh, you know, write it in a way that it conveys the complexity of what we built. You know, it was hard and we want people to know it was tough. Uh, but the real, uh, you know, the real effectiveness comes in when you actually make it seem easy. You conceal that complexity through very plain language. Um, and I, I remember I, one of my first English classes in college, I wanted to look really smart. And my professor just wrote in big letters on my on my paper, eschew obfuscation. Um, and that has <laughs> stuck with me uh, to just say it in plain language. That's one of the major principles. Yeah, Kara. Yeah, I would add, um, to add on to that, you know, focusing on the user's goal and not like your product features, um, you know, ask yourself if someone's only going to read the first sentence of my comments, what do they absolutely need to know? Um, you know, front loading all the most important information and just making it scannable. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, someone who's quickly looking for an answer is going to be able to find it almost immediately. Um, yeah, like Nathan said, plain language. Um, what else do we go with? You know, conversational tone is something that we strive for here at Google. Um, I've been changing a lot of, <laughs> in my own personal writing, I've been changing a lot of words like obtain to get. <laughs> so it's just like quicker, easier. Um, you know, it's I, re I remember a course that was offered by one of the tech writers at the GDE summit a couple of years back when we, we got together in person. I remember walking in and the very first thing this technical writer was putting on the board, they put a long sentence on the board and they showed you how to shorten the sentence. And the number one thing they were stressing is say less to say more. And it's so important to figure out how, how to make it shorter. Cause again, people aren't going to read the whole thing or get lost by it, but it's so powerful to learn how to convey the same message with less words. And I'm really bad at that. As you can tell, I'm still talking, but it's just like, how do you, you know, how do you do that? And that's a great thing. And one of the things I love, you know, first of all, you know, writers sharing with writers, again, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an art and a science uh, is you're constantly crafting your trade and making better at it. For example, I, I love, I don't, again, I don't know if they still do these, but you know, they had you know, Burning Pen internally where tech writers would get together at Google and you know, learn how to tech write you know, from each other and everything. So it is, it, it's a craft you have to keep honing and keep practicing, it's just not automatic and, and, and how you get it right. And so again, it's an art and a science at the same time. I, I've yeah. done the technical writing course and offered by Google, I've just shared in the chat, they, they do offer dates where you where you can do it online, and it, it's a really good. Um, I found it really informative, and you know the the aspects you're talking about about you know just you know how you're structuring sentences, um, you know active and passive and things like that, um, and just really thinking about it at a fundamental level of just what you're trying to convey and little things like using lists, which I'd never really considered before and Love like, oh yeah <laughs> lists <laughs> yeah it's there's so many things to think about um i know for myself i still will take refresher courses you know we offer internal writing classes here at google and even when it's stuff i i know i've been taught before i i enjoy taking the class again because i want to make sure it's fresh and top of mind because there's just there's too many things swimming around your mind when you're writing that um a refresher never hurts <laughs> yeah one of my best practices, and I don't always follow it, but I try, is when you're writing code and you're writing 
code also, especially if it's to be a code sample, document it while you're writing it. Because A, when you go back, you may not go back <laughs> and leave it uncommented. And then B, you may not be, have the freshness of mind to explain it the same way. And so I've tried to make a best practices as you write the code. Again, you don't always do that, but try to actually document it while you do it. it may sound little, but I've seen yeah. many undocumented lines of code or the person has to come back and rethink what they even did to, to mm -hmm. figure out how to explain it. So I don't know if it's a good practice, but there's, yeah. there's yeah, that, and it, that kind of hits on something that, you know, kind of in summary of kind of a lot of things that have been said here, the way that I like to think about um, kind of assessing documentation is really kind of through three lenses. And I think the first one is the most obvious one that most people think about, and that's accuracy in that is what I've written accurately reflective of what I'm describing. But I think there's two of the lenses that fly under the radar, but are just as important. And you know, the second would be this, the quality of the, of the writing. So that's kind of the writing mechanics that's using plain language, that's using some of these best practices. And the third one is effectiveness. And so this is where it's like, is your writing or your code comments or is your you know, article overview page description of your code or of your product, um, is it effectively you know, helping people do uh, the, the ultimate goal? Um, the ultimate journey. And so that's something that we really focus on. And, you know, documentation has turned into kind of a UX exercise, a user experience exercise, where we are kind of designing pages, not just in the words that are used, but actually in how it looks, how it feels, and what that experience is. So we talk about interactivity. I see a comment here about screenshots and whether we use those or whether we don't. Um, uh, thank you, Anil, for that for that question. I mean, there's there are aspects where if it's a very kind of complicated user interface that we're trying to describe, a screenshot can be extremely useful. And we've done a lot of experimentation now with animated GIFs and with videos and those kind of visuals. Those can be extremely useful. Overuse of them can become confusing because now there's just a bunch <laughs> of images on the page and you kind of have to decide, wait, which one's step one and which one's step two? And my UI looks a little different. I have a different <laughs> language. So we try to use them sparingly, but again, that kind of comes down to this effectiveness usability aspect of documentation that is sometimes neglected and can be the difference between poor docs and great docs. Well, to kind of relate to Anil's question about, I, I was just thinking, you know, about use of screenshots. Uh, workspace, like Google's products, it's a global product. How, how, do you, how does translation work? Do you, do you have teams around the globe? Do you rely on auto-translate? or not, none of the above. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a large team of uh, translators actually used kind of a, across across Google and it can work in a couple different ways. Um, so we have uh, for a lot of our like admin help center content that's translated into a, a, a whole list of languages. Um, and that is much of it human translation. Some of it's assisted by machine translation now. So we're trying to utilize that again to just be able to scale efforts. Um, for our developer documentation, we right now really provide it just in English. Um, and we're experimenting with some machine translation, which has really improved over the last few years um, to be able to provide uh, you know, our developer documentation uh, at scale to people all around the world. Like I said, you know, we've got over half a million people from all around the world using our documentation. So we know there's a need. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult proposition for the text. And then screenshots and videos are very difficult to translate. Um, but we have some 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 tricks up our sleeve, like captions for videos, things like that. Kara, I don't know if you have, you have also a lot of experience with this. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, I was actually just going to touch on um, translation when it comes to 
best practices for writing. You know, if there are any developers out there who are going to translate their documentation into other languages, you want to keep in mind that whoever's localizing your content, you know, the best practice for you is to write as simply as you can because you're you're sending it to someone to make it to have them make it sen make sense in another language for you. And so you want to make sure that your writing is easily translatable for someone else. Um, and that's another thing that we would think about when I was doing end user content. Um, you know, we we would avoid, you know, words that end in ing because it could be confusing or, you know, we say might instead of may because may can mean two different things in English where um, it becomes hard to translate because are you saying you're allowed to do this or you can do this? And so when you add translation into the mix, there's a whole another section of, you know, style requirements you have to think about. <laughs> it should and must is the one. <laughs> you should fill in your expenses. Yeah. You must fill in your expenses. <laughs> yeah. I just, oh. we had um, a, a question. Uh, I think well, I was, I was, I was talking through the mic there a second. I was just, <laughs> Uh, I, I had a document writing joke. I was going to say, if I ever joined your team, would you actually have someone translate my content into English? Uh, <laughs> because it would probably be helpful. But speaking speaking of, of, of trends uh, of document writing jokes, um, I, I was just teasing when I was chatting with you folks yesterday. If if you know, how does uh, feedback to the employees go? If I hit the up hour more than the down hour, if I like the content or like the content, and how many down hours before you call someone like Kara into your office and say, "Hey, we got to fix this content." <laughs> <laughs> so, but are but are, but are there any any good tech writing jokes you can share with us? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I've spot. got I've got a lot of dad puns, but I don't know about tech <laughs> writing jokes. So. <laughs> no, it's awesome. That's good. No, but it's good to have a sense of humor. Uh, anyway, we're we're getting close to time. This is super, this is super awesome uh, content in in conversation. Like I said, um, not just a user but a big fan. But also curious, is there, is there any other insights or or not trade secrets, but secrets you can share with us on on how you arrive at where you at? What are some of the processes, or maybe even what are some of the things you're working for in the future? Is there anything else you can enlighten us in the few minutes left on either how you do what you do or how are you taking us where we're going to go in the future? Either either question is fine. We yeah, want to I see think that... the, the new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to? Okay, let's do, that. Let's do the exclusive. Carol, you want to yeah. show us the exclusive side by side, the before and after? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, even better. All right. So, what we're looking at now, um, hopefully, some of you are familiar with this page. This is mm -hmm. the current landing page for AppScript. Um, just to point out a few things that we were thinking about when we updated this page. Just coming to this page, there's a lot of things that you could potentially click on. Um, there's actually a few links on here that will take you to different websites. Um, and so as you go through this page as a new user, there's a lot of text, there's a lot of links, um, very heavy on the add-on push down here. Um, so if you're not just looking for totally unscripted, <laughs> it can be a very daunting first experience with AppScript. And so what we're launching today, I'll make sure I can get this open. All right. All right, can everybody see the screen now? Wow. Okay, so what we're launching today is a cleaner, simpler approach to the AppScript landing page. 
And what we've done is we've brought in the add-ons experience and the API experience to one cohesive website. And you'll still have all of your favorite apps programming as well. Um, just a simple definition of what it is. We wanted to visually show you know, the types of connections that you can make across workspace. And then, as I mentioned before, we're trying to get more prescriptive with new users, introducing them to project types. So we listed a few here that you can click into and learn more about. And as promised, the release notes <laughs> button is down here on the left. So I'm very excited for this to go live. I think it will be very helpful for new people and, you know, I love change personally, so I'm very excited for a new look. <laughs> and when will this go live, you think? Uh, shortly after this show, really. Ooh, I want breaking to news. give your viewers Again. you know, the first preview, and then we're going to show it to everybody. <laughs> I, I love it simplified. I love it streamlined. I love the new look. I did notice the totally unscripted logo is gone, but okay. Oh, it's, uh, it's still there. It's just on the bottom. Oh, you can go all the way down to the bottom. Okay. <laughs> no, but no. I mean, no yeah, you didn't scroll far enough. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless replug. But uh, no, I, I think it's awesome. I think you're so right. I mean, helping people focus and, and jump off better. I do remember, you know, many iterations past where it was, you know, all the different changes in the product. And like you said, the average new person was like, uh, so you're telling me historical things. I don't know what this present does for me. So mm -hmm. I, I it's, it, it's a small thing, but I, I love in the top nav bar, it's learn, build and use. Yeah. I, I love, I think that for AppScript, you know, people coming to AppScript as a product, I've, I think that's such a positive word to have before it. I guess it's these small things that can make a big difference in terms yeah. of the, yeah, the experience a user has. Because I poured over that for hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I'm, I'm going to uptick that one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, a lot of a lot of love and a lot of listening, you know, went into that redesign from Kara. I mean, she really did ran multiple user research studies. I mean, some of the people on this, you know, watching this live stream uh, might have been part of those studies that she mentioned and, you know, read a lot of comments and interviewed a lot of people building the product, people using the product. And so, you know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but it, it, it manifests itself in those little things. And that is yeah. that is really true. And, you know, one of the unique challenges of developer documentation is that you know, we're not always, in fact, we're very rarely describing discrete tasks that people do. Click here, click there, and then voila, you got your solution. We're trying to, you know, just give people a sense of the possibilities because by definition, a developer platform is for you to build new things that we're not even thinking of, that we've never imagined. And that's ultimately what we want to propel with our documentation. And so uh, this hopefully is what, you know, this new structure will help people uh, to kind of get a sense for the framework they have to work in. What are the possibilities? And then, you know, we're excited to see what, what comes out of it. That's awesome. That's an awesome way to explain it. Cool. Well, we are almost at time. And again, just on behalf of everybody, first of all, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your work. Thanks for the redesign. I know we asked for future thinking things. I don't want to sound greedy or selfish. We'll have you back on the next episode to, to talk about those. Um, but, you know, just again, you know, thanks so much for your efforts and everything. And, um, you know, appreciate your, your work. Yeah, I hope you feel the love as well. There's been a lot of love. I think we we all appreciate the time and effort that you put uh, into the documentation. Yeah, thank I, you. I I want to thank you guys for having us on, and especially for all the feedback that you do provide as GDEs. Um, it's invaluable to us, and please never stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Excellent. Well, Charles, next week we got next week we have another first of all, next week is next. So Google Cloud Next, which runs uh, during the middle of next week, online virtual event. There's a bunch of announcements coming out, not just new documentation things, um, but some new uh, things around workspace. Uh, we just put up a blog, so if you want to check out the kind of must-see developer episodes, Martin's got the banner up on the screen, so do check those out. Um, an, an abundance, actually, of developer-based topics, including some keynote content that will show some new and exciting things that you have never seen before. Our show next week, in correspondence with Next, will be rallied around one of the launch announcements. That launch announcement is for a brand-new API being uh, announced for one of our really familiar, comfortable friends in the Google Workspace family of applications. And so joining us will be Christian Schock. And Christian's been working uh, with the product team to release this. And so uh, it'll be announced at next, but we're going to do a deep dive here to give you a, uh, a deeper first look. So do tune in for that same time next Wednesday um, and look forward to it. And, uh following we slightly different day but um uh, the following show after that we, we've hopefully got a, a the following show after that is, is going to be a unique one we're going to bring back um i don't even know how to refer to him he was kind of one of the not a founding father but definitely one of the legends of app script uh, eric kalita is going to join us and talk about life after app script and what he's working on how he still uses it how he's learning or how he's applying what he he learned and, and uses here and also, even though he's technically left Google, he's still out there in the community answering questions. And I don't understand uh, why, uh, but he, he hasn't <laughs> forgot us. And so he's going to come back and talk to us. And so I'm excited for that one. That'll be the Tuesday, uh, the week following, because uh, we have a, a little personal conflict for some of the hosts. But um, look forward to that show as well, too. So join us. Look forward to it. Stay tuned. So um, thanks, everyone, for contributing in the chat as well. And remember, if you're on the workspace documentation page, hashtag totally unscripted, you'll get the documentation eyes on that one. Um, so keep sending the, the love and feedback to them as well. And thank you, Cara and Nathan, for coming on the show. It's been yes, thank you. Fantastic thank you just to discover what's behind the curtain. <laughs> Thanks for having us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So until next time, folks, happy scripting, and we'll hopefully see you next week. Thank you.